Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Billy Smith. I'm Alex Coos. And I'm Rough Enough, and we're back again with Alex and Billy to chat about a little positivity, a little, little uh, injection of positivity into our self-isolation that we're all under right now. But before we get there, let's chat about hobby updates. Billy, you have some updates for us, right? Yeah, updates. Um, so I've been I've been doing a ton of stuff. So I just had spring break um, a couple weeks ago, right before this whole isolation thing happened. So I was really, really wanting to get my um, terrain set done because I'd, I'd been wanting to build a dwarf-themed terrain set for a really long time. And with the baby on the way, um, I wanted to have a table ready to go in my house so that way I can have people over and play. And so, yeah, I finished it up. I made, uh, I made my own forests. I made a field. I made like a pile of dwarf statues. Oh, and I made two hills and I made some walls and I've got some buildings coming in from Croatia. They shipped the other day. So tabletop world. Yeah. They're awesome. Yeah. So I'm psyched about those. I've got some fun ideas for the interiors of those buildings. So they won't just be, you know, plain outside buildings because I'm Mr. Extra over here. And I finished a few more units of dwarves. I've, I wrapped up a, uh, a warsmith that had been sitting on my desk since third edition came out. And I also finished a unit of shield breakers that I've been working on, which is a lot of fun. They were, I think those, I'm, I'm using the old Games Workshop miners. I had a few of them and then um, John Blakemore um, was really awesome and gave me some to do some commission work for him. And I think those are some of my favorite sculpts from that period, from that like late 90s, early 2000s kind of era. They're just a lot of fun. And yeah, I'm, I've got a bunch of stuff prepped up for the Countercharge Spring Painting Challenge. I'm going to do some Packmasters and some Sharpshooters. So I'm pretty excited about that. What about you guys, Alex? Since uh, Best of the Rest Masters, I, I've kind of put my rats to the side and i finally dug out my had a couple boxes of the perry brothers uh, agincourt footnights on my shelf that have been staring at me for like a year so i assembled about 50 of them to use in my uh swiss army army which is going to be like kingdoms of men basileans undead they're just going to be my uh regiments of plate mail two-hand weapon infantry and then got them all assembled haven't started painting them yet hopefully i'm gonna paint them up for the counter charge painting challenge and then i have a bunch of army of the dead miniatures from the lord of the rings line which again will be a little bit of a multi-purpose unit i'll use them as like zombies or revenants or uh draugr depending on where my army inspiration takes me this year. So got those all assembled, ready to go for priming and see how far I get through them in the painting challenge. I also have a bunch of hills and terrain to build and paint in, uh, hopefully for uh, King Beyond the Wall in July. How about you, Rob? 
obviously I've been painting like a madman lately, doing a lot of Kingdoms of Men stuff. And so I've been doing, uh, I finished up the pike. I finished up a bunch of heroes. I finished up another cannon. Um, for the pain challenge, I've got a guy on a hippogriff and a giant, which is actually a Yeti to work on. So I'm super excited about that. I've also been doing some Star Wars Legion. That's uh, kind of blown up in our local scene lately. So um, I got a bunch of terrain for, for Legion and, and working on that. And then uh, the local store War Room Hobbies actually got a big shipment in a Vanguard. And there's a lot of traction going on with that. So um, I have dwarves and I have kingdoms of men for that. So I'm getting kind of excited about uh, painting those up. The, the dwarves are actually the Mantic Van Vanguard models, which are... <laughs> I still stand by Billy. Those are probably the best sculpts they have. I mean, they're just they're, they're so good. They're incredible. Like I'm, I'm working on um, my Packmasters. I have obviously the official Mantic Packmaster, but I converted the uh, that female Ranger from the the regular Vanguard box set into being a second Packmaster, just so they'd be a little bit different. But yeah, they are crisp and buttery smooth and just wonderful looking models and very characterful and and fun. And they actually have um, some different options and stuff, which is nice. Yeah, I gotta say your steel juggernaut is like on point. Oh, especially on the burnt end of the of the flame cannon is really really great. It definitely gives Thank the you. very excellently displays metal that's been uh, shooting fire out of you know out of its orifice for a while. Absolutely, and that's like super easy. I straight up just followed the like old Duncan Rhodes uh, tutorial for that from Warhammer TV. And it's it's literally just like blue wash, purple wash, sepia wash, done. You need to write that down and put that uh, up on the Gunner Charge page or at least put a link to it so that uh, those of us that... Uh, so the problem with YouTube for me is I don't have the patience to sit there and watch them through. So I prefer when like a blog post is like, use this, use this, use this. Now, obviously, there's sometimes a more nuanced approach and sometimes you have to watch the video just to see how it's applied. We're already getting derailed, um, but yes. I actually super <laughs> like those older um, Duncan Rhodes clips because they would be like two minutes long. Mm -hmm. And they, they'd give you some useful little tip or some fun little trick. And, of course, you kind of have to wade through the like GW product placement of like use only our paints and use only our palette paper and use only this. But um, – you know, a lot of times there's a lot of really good little techniques and tricks. Um, I particularly like the ones like that um, that aren't things that you would think of, like how to paint muzzle burn, how to paint. Uh, I watched one the other day how to make uh, sandbags because I was trying to come up with an easy way to do my little coffee field uh, burlap bags. And then that was super easy. So I just like fun stuff like that. Little quick ones. Absolutely. And for my Kingdoms of Men, I'm using Westphalia Miniatures. They have a line called the Night Watch. Um, which is this really, really characterful set of uh, men at arms, basically, where they have multiple pieces where there's a torso and legs and you can mix and match and put the folks together. And then they have some really cool characters uh, like an ogre and a giant like there's like an old man and it's just really, really cool stuff. And so I'm looking forward to painting that up. I think for that, I'm probably going to go and paint it up in the same color scheme as my my half men, because at this point. I'm starting to get it down to the point where I can actually paint it, you know, a legitimate speed. So yeah, that's coming down the pipe. And Hey, you know, on the, on the note about Duncan Rhodes, you know, those that may not have heard, you know, Darren Latham's YouTube channel got shut down uh, or is in the process of being shut down. And that's another dude that really has helped me learn to paint over the years. It's a bummer to see his, his page go down, but hopefully he'll, his talent will be used elsewhere. Is, is the hope, so. But yes, as Billy alluded to, we are getting off track, and we have a lot to cover tonight, so let's get to it. But we got, like, a special episode plan. We've had this in the coffers for a while, and 
what better time for this type of episode than in the conditions that we are all find ourselves in today? Basically, I was originally inspired to come together for this kind of episode because Jeremy made a comment on a previous episode about how, um, in, his, in his words, every club needs a Billy. And he's referencing me, of course. Um, and what he meant by this, I assume, is that every club needs like a cheerleader. Every group of players needs somebody to just like be Mr. Positive and, and always keep people going. And I, I tend to think that I'm like that and I, I like to be that person, you know, um, when someone posts uh, something they're painting or someone posts a list or someone just shares anything, I like to think that, you know, I'm trying to be a positive person and, and at least interact in a positive way. This conversation continued when Rob and I went to Mountaineer last year and Jesse Cornwell was kind of going on about um, sort of getting bummed out by people painting stuff and he not thinking that he could do it as good as that other person. And so Rob and I decided to come up with this idea that we could make an episode just about being a positive influence and how great this community can be as a mental health helper and as just generally helping people feel more positive about every single day. So um, obviously I've spent personally a lot of times as we all have been, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like former punk rocker dude. And so of course you're always hateful and negative about everything. And I've spent a lot of time doing that. And I've learned as I've become wiser and slightly older that it's doesn't really get you anywhere. It doesn't really mean anything or do anything. And I've, I've discovered basically through my years that I'm the only person that's responsible for how I feel and how my day is going and how positive I want to be. Because ultimately if I want to be negative, I'm going to be negative. And so basically I think I want to carry that same attitude into my hobby and because obviously this is something for me to do to enjoy myself, to make me feel better, to help me zen out and relax from the struggles of everyday life. And so I feel like if you can be a positive influence on other people and help other people come to that same realization that being positive is way more productive than being negative, then it's absolutely a good thing. And if one person listens to this and goes, you know, you're right, and stops posting trolly, stupid crap on fanatics, um, I think we'll live in a better world. That's well said, yeah. I mean, ultimately, it takes too much energy to hate and to complain and bitch and be negative. Public discourse and that kind of discussion, that's that's fine. But we're, that's not what we're talking about here, right, Billy? When Kyle Przynski posts a picture of the uh, the new Well of Souls and the first 15 comments are, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Like, you just spent your own time that you could have been spending doing anything else just to, to make a negative comment. And so for me, I just feel like that's a waste of time. Like, if I don't have anything nice to say, I just don't say it. You know, the golden rule. That's what my grandma always said. Absolutely. I feel like we're all sharing things, like, in this hobby. So it's like, if you're willing to share your army or, like, put yourself out there, play the game, you shouldn't be criticized for it. It's like, you should be welcomed and you should be, you know, encouraged. It's not about, you know, always being the best or always being perfect. It's just about, like, being part of something. And... That's what we're here for. Yeah, I've learned a long time ago that there's always someone better. <laughs> so I stop, you know, yep. it's just like, ah, you know, I just want to be the best me I can be. That's right. And let me say this. The Kings of War community, by and large, is phenomenal. And this really isn't a problem with most of us. Like, I don't see a ton of super negativity. Um, and by and large, 
the Kingsworth community is just full of positive, awesome, rad dudes. Like I just finished listening to the episode the other day or this morning with Eric Trowbridge. And that guy is just delightful, like <laughs> just a wonderful dude. So I think I think overall Kings of War has got a, a really, really good group of dudes and ladies contributing to it. So, yeah, I think the game has a bit of a natural like filter. <laughs> it's like it doesn't attract the people who are going to, you know, try to abuse a system or, or a group of people. But, you know, it's still you still want to be the most positive that you can in any situation. All right. So um, when I started sitting down to kind of write about this and, and figure out some notes and figure out how we would discuss this topic, because obviously we could just ramble on all day. Um, I thought of a few things. So first of all, the first aspect of being um, positive is kind of being a positive influence on other people or being like a cheerleader, as Jeremy said. And so you can do this in a bunch of different ways. So obviously, and the most straightforward version is being an influence in the hobby. So if someone shares, hey, how did I do on this? You can provide constructive feedback. Um, if someone asks, how do I do X? You help them. And Finally, like I said, golden rule, if you don't have anything nice to say, just don't really say anything, right? Um, and I'm not here to talk about etiquette with like people asking for critiques and stuff like that, but really just I feel like it's much more productive if we encourage one another about our hobby instead of like tearing people down like, oh, well, you could have done this better. It's like, yeah, but I'm trying. I'm making an effort and doing stuff. What do you guys think about that? Well, yeah, I think that's a big part of it is it's like you just don't. You want to be encouraging, and I'm not a great painter, so like, and you know there are some really amazing ones like you, for instance, but and Rob, they're much better painters. But I feel like if someone's willing to share their work online or in the community at the game store, I think that's a big thing. So like you should be encouraging and be positive when someone's willing to do that. You know, it's 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 all about growth. So if you can't you can't get better if you never try or never actually like take that first step. So I think encouraging people when they have taken that step is a big part of the community. Absolutely. And like, I can't count how many times just in general over the years on various media platforms that someone has shared something. And then, you know, there's usually a nasty comment about, Oh, oh you should be doing this better. Oh, you should thin your paints. Oh, you should do this. But like that doesn't really take into account, each person's individual journey. You know what I mean? Like some of us have been painting miniatures a really long time. And so maybe their skill set is just larger, but like maybe someone just picked this up a month ago, or maybe someone just hadn't pushed themselves hard enough to improve. And maybe now they're trying to make that effort. So like you said, I, I think it's best if we just kind of like are, are nice to each other and are, are giving positive constructive feedback rather than just saying negative things for the sake of being negative. Yeah. So there's gonna be something wrong with everything. So like, there's always gonna be something you can nitpick, but there's a there's a positive way to go about you know engaging in that discussion, and there's a negative, destructive way of doing that, and you want to avoid that the negative way. Plus, when you encourage people, I think in a positive way, they'll want to post more, and as they mm -hmm. post more, you will. I I find it really rewarding when I see people that maybe I met 10 years ago that were, that were just getting into their painting journey, for example. And now looking at some of the stuff that are painting now is fun, you know, phenomenal. The growth of the, you know, they've learned new techniques. And I mean, I, I mean, I, I can't speak for you guys, but I know I learn something almost every day. Uh, 
I'll look at something and even from the most novice person, I'll go, Oh, well, how did you do that? Like somebody posted on um, a, a Facebook group. They made a, basically like a stone, a broken stone paver base with a post-it note where they like ripped the sheet of paper up, the little post-it note up, glued it down to the base. And then they painted each one as a stone. I'm like, huh, well, that's pretty cool. So this, this hobby, like gaming, painting, all that is like, you're going to learn and get better by doing. So you have to be able to, you know, encourage people to keep on doing it. And so if you're just going to be tearing people down, they're not going to want to try any harder. So you have to, you know, and then the whole hobby suffers as, as a group. So to make the whole hobby better, you, you know, bringing everyone up, like a rising tide lifts all boats. Absolutely. And and let me just be honest. I want, I'm selfish here. I want people to be better painters. I want people to grow because I want to play against pretty armies. (laughs) And by me bashing somebody online, that is not going to help that, that, that makes you that, you know, that puts us in a position where people come with great plastic. Right. Mm -hmm. I want to encourage that. You know, um, I will every day, be happy, always happy to play against a painted army rather than, than you know, m- much more than, you know, uh, metal and bare plastic. Yeah. And it's that's that continuum. It's like get them in the door, let them use the bare plastic, but be encouraging and helpful and like positive to help them start painting it and continue painting it and get better and like, you know, upgrade into like better basing or more elaborate, you know, basing. It's just, so it's a process that has to, it's a step-by-step process. It's not all going to happen all at once. And you can't be like, you know, crapping all over someone's like first effort. Or even if they're a good painter, like if they're trying something new, it didn't work. You can't be like, well, that's garbage. Just go home. Right. The, the, the other thing that's important is, you know, we're all different. So we're all on different hobby journeys. Right. And yeah. so, some people have different destinations, right? Some people are not there to try to win best painted. They just want an army that, they that they that gives them relief when they're you know maybe it's a stress reliever, um, and they just want a cool army that they that they can put on the table and be happy with. They're not trying to win mm-hmm. a golden demon, and you know I, I try to whenever I see people post, I, I really try to avoid, and I'm not always successful, but I try to avoid inferring or putting my own, you know, well this is what I would do. Like everybody's on their own journey, um, and I try to respect the fact that different people are going to have different methods to get to whatever destination they're trying to get to. Um, I can promise you, if they want to know something specific, they'll ask. They'll say, hey, what do you think of this basing? Or, Billy, how did you do that on that burnt metal? Or, you know, they'll, you know, let the conversation organically materialize and you'll get on the right track with that person to understand where they are on their painting journey. Yeah, like a supportive environment will just encourage that too. So, exactly. Absolutely. And like, before we move on to the next one, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I teach middle school, so I deal with kids that are 12 and 13 years old and are very hormonal and they're very susceptible to stuff like this, you know? And, and so I see firsthand the difference that a, a positive constructive interaction makes versus a negative interaction. Um, you know, I have a, a gazillion students that are afraid to ask questions because they think that it makes them look stupid. And, you know, I, I really try hard to like foster that positive interaction. You know, there is no such thing as a stupid question. Everybody's on their own individual education journey. And I don't know. I just, that's kind of how I approach this hobby too. Like all, all of my different exterior influences are kind of coming together to inform the way that I look at all of this. And like to that point, it's like, as you know, some of us are, you know, 
tournament organizers or like veteran gamers and we're in positions of like you know not really authority but you know some esteem in the community and a lot of people will take that what you know you say to heart more than you would like some random person like if, if you're an established part of the community what you say will matter so you really have to keep that in mind and like again try to be positive in that light to keep things in a positive uh direction going in a positive direction for your whole community and we're gonna get ready to talk about the other two legs of this this hobby or this this uh king's of war community gaming and sportsmanship it's also important to note that in all of these things we all prioritize things differently for me hobby is the most important thing right i i love the hobby i mean i spend 80 percent of my time hobbying right and so to me that's important but to the next person that you meet online it could be you know, this could just be a small piece and really all they're looking for is they have a rubric uh, for Adepticon and they really just want to maximize that score. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Just help them on that journey to wherever they're trying to get to. Absolutely. So I think uh, moving forward, we've got like the next leg of that hobby journey, like you were talking about. Um, and this is gaming. So obviously we want to be kind of a positive influence on on others during gaming so this can come in a bunch of different forms right so we can help each other make lists um oftentimes gamers will form little clubs or groups um, and we'll help each other be better players when we play games yeah we're trying to win we're trying to beat each other we're laughing we're joking possibly drinking but usually you know it's it's good practice to kind of like talk with your opponent especially if you know them and discuss what you guys did and how you could do better. And also just kind of generally talking strategy and working with each other to do better. I think, uh, I think that's a really huge part about being a positive cheerleader for other people. What do you guys think? hundred percent agree. I also, in this regard or in this area, I really appreciate supporting creative thought. Like I, I, I don't, you know, net lists and all that stuff is fine. But I really like to see people try to think outside the box and play an army differently. I think this is an important one, like to help again, like build that community uh, spirit. And so, if you're playing in a group regularly with like a you know the same people or a small group of people, and certain people are doing better and more consistently, and you get new players or people who are inexperienced with tabletop games in general, you don't want to keep just pounding on them, beating them. And then just saying, well, get better, get good, and like move on. You want to like actually be supportive and be like, there's no secrets. Like if you if you help them with their strategy and help their with the, help them with their lists and game plan and all that, you'll get better by playing against someone who knows what they're doing. So there's no point in trying to like keep secrets. So you want to be supportive and positive in your interaction for the whole the whole game, like. You don't want to hold back and like, but like afterwards, like Billy said, like talk about what you could do better, talk about things that worked, didn't work, why they didn't work, and then kind of go from there. I think that's a super excellent point. And like, so we had a one day tournament here recently, right? And Rob has done a phenomenal job at the war room, just getting all these new players and roping these people in. And so a lot of them have been playing less than a year, have not attended any major grand tournaments, maybe don't necessarily follow um, a lot of the, the Kings of War news, as it were. But I find that in interactions with those folks, it's usually best if 
if like you said, you're just very clear about your intentions and rather than just saying, get good scrub, you know, maybe talk about stuff. Like I had an, um, I won't even say an incident, but we had, there was a point in my game with one of these folks and I very easily could have just not said anything because he hadn't seen this particular maneuver. Um, but I didn't want to like totally just gotcha game him and then flank him and then take his units off and go, ha ha ha. So like we stopped and I was like, Hey, check this out. And I showed him, you know, what I was seeing. And I feel like, at least from that interaction, it was super positive. And I feel like he learned something. And he's probably not going to let that happen again. So, yeah. Do you really want to take advantage of someone who just like is, you know, a little naive, like, or ignorant to like all the nuances or all the things that they should be paying attention to? Or do you want to actually, you know, play a better game and against an opponent who knows what they're doing? So I think especially when someone's learning and it's not in a tournament, there's like no reason not to point stuff like that out and just like kind of build that, build the skill level of everyone who's playing in your community. I mean, the the phrase that I've heard a hundred times is iron sharpens iron. It's absolutely true. If these players around you develop into great players, it only makes your play go up, right? The reality is being a, you know, a, a big fish in a small pound isn't really all that great. Right. The hope is that you can be a big fish in a big pond. Right. With a bunch of great players. And and then that, you know, really says something. Uh, The other point I make here is make sure that we're supporting creativity. Um, So Billy's got some pet peeves. One of mine is whenever somebody says, hey, I'm going to play this army and they pull us a list like the first thing that you read is or one of the first ones you'll read is, oh, this such such unit is crap. Well, is it or is it just the way you're using it in that army? I mean, the reality is that. There's a pretty reasonable internal balance within each list. Yes, there are some that are a little underpointed. I get that, um, but encourage you know experimentation and trying different units because I can guarantee you um, the people that are doing things creatively. Actually, Paul Cravo out of Ohio, who's playing that really cool four a horde a shambler list, like that was one that caught me off guard because it was a the way it was built, the way he played it was not something I had seen before, and I. I like that kind of stuff. And I locally, I want to make sure that our players are, we're supporting and encouraging them to try something new, try something different, right? Um, you don't need, uh, you know, all defense six. Um, yeah. It, it, you could, but you, you don't need it. You can win without it. Tie back to what we were saying with the hobby. It's like when you're getting into the hobby, it's all, what's the advice like for what army? It's like, what army do you want to paint? What, is, what do you like the look of? And like, what do you like the play style of? So like, you got to figuring out what you like look of. It's a lot easier than figuring out your play style. So a good thing to do is just encourage people to like stick with a list too, for a little longer than they would like to just actually like take it to the end of the road or a little bit further down the road so they can figure out if what they're doing is what they like, or they're just still learning how to play the army. So, and again, that's where the supportive community really helps. So someone doesn't just give up after the first game they lose. There was a bit of advice that uh, Dan Heelan, who used to run a Heelan Hammer Warhammer podcast, uh, gave back in the day. And something that I, I, I wish I could say I do all the time, but I don't. But um, his advice was play the list, right? So if you build an army list, play it. Don't play it once and then tweak it. Play it. Play it eight, nine, ten times. Play it. Really understand how those pieces interact. And then when you think you've got that down... Then go ahead and maybe alternate, you know, one unit out for one unit, you know, swap a unit in and out. But like, you know, don't just, 
don't just take what you read on the internet as the gospel. Try it. Because, <laughs> you know, uh, a classic example is Kyle Poole. That guy, I don't, I don't understand his lists. But they work. <laughs> so he's doing something right. He's winning games. So, he also, you know. He plays his lists a lot. And that's the thing. You have to learn what you're doing. And that's where that, you know, the debrief after the Friday night games or whatever. And the have a beer, talk about what worked, what didn't work. And, like, that's where a strong community really helps. And that positive community helps. You can start figuring out why your list is working or why it isn't working. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we've, 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 we've really been focusing on army lists, but just basic strategy about deployment, uh, maneuvering, you know, share all those tips, because I think you guys said it before. There's no secrets here, right? Uh, if you share your knowledge, it gets them better, which then inevitably comes home to roost and actually makes your life better, too, because you have better talent to play against and it only makes you better. Absolutely. And I just I wanted to say that. um kind of tagging on your bit about, you know, creative list design and coming up with new ways to play things. That's a hundred percent where that list I've been playing spawned from with all the, I mean, Rob's played against it and I haven't really posted a lot about it online, but basically it's, it's a free dwarf list with no brocks, no rocks. Cause frankly, I'm just kind of tired of seeing it and I wanted to try something new and interesting. And like my group's been super positive about it. Yeah. I mean, it's, Anytime you see something different, that's always a positive thing. Uh, but let's keep rolling. Let's talk about sportsmanship for a bit. Um, you know, we talked about hobby. We talked about gaming. Sportsmanship is, is one of these areas where this is really more about on the table. It's not sportsmanship is not necessarily um, interaction on Facebook, for example. But, you know, just in general, just be the, you know, the golden rule. You know, be the player you would like to play against. Um, uh I, I'm going to turn it over to the Canadian because he's obviously got more more experience at this than I do. Well, it kind of, actually, just I'm going to reference what Billy was saying earlier about you know, especially with new players in the community and just you know on club nights and stuff like that where it's not you know no one's paid to be there for like at a GT you know being helpful during the game especially or even at a GT like if if someone does something that you know you know their intent and you see that what they've done doesn't match their intent, you know, point that out, you know, and always making sure what you intend is very clear. Never, don't try to like sneak something by, like just be very clear about what you're doing, you know, your movements. This is in range. This is out of range. I'm doing this so that I am out of this arc. Be very clear about what you're doing because it's just makes the whole game go more smoothly. And then if, instead of like trying to do something and sneak one past your opponent and then they catch you and then you get, you know, that's not, it's not how the game works. It's not how a, a good game will go. So like you, you want to be able to have that smooth interaction across the table at all times and just be able to laugh at your good luck and your bad luck and your, you know, laugh at your opponent's good luck you know, it's it's not it's a game, and there's a lot, there are a lot of dice, so you can't let you know that really sway how your your mood is. Like, if you roll three double ones in a row, you can't just like walk away and like flip the table or whatever. So you can just like you got you just gotta laugh it off, take a sip of water, and then move on. Yeah, the thing is, sportsmanship out of the three things we've just talked about is probably the most important in terms of getting people to play again, right? Because, you know, the gaming and the hobby 
a lot of that stuff can be done to some degree uh, on their own or in their own research or on the line. But sportsmanship is really about that that communal that that one on one you know communication that you have over the table. And if that's a bad experience for that person, they're not going to want to come back. And if they don't want to come back, um, that's just bad for everybody, right? So I mean, honestly. You know, Billy mentioned we we've got a relatively small community here. You know, uh, it's growing, but it's still on the small side. And I think you know I'm always really conscious of you know if you got that one guy or that one girl that's just a bad sport, they can really mess things up. And so just make sure you're not that one guy or that you're not that one girl because um, the the harm you can do by just being either a bad loser or a bad winner uh, is you know for me personally it's I think being a good a good winner is actually maybe harder in some cases. I mean, look, I, I lose a lot, so I'm used to it. But <laughs> I don't know. You guys got any tips for being uh, gracious at the table? I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm also kind of a person that loses a lot, so it's hard for me to think about how to be a, a, a gracious winner because um, I'm at the point where, I, you know, I, I've been getting a little bit better, but usually. Uh, I, I just kind of like talk smack, but it's kind of about reading your, your opponent and reading people that you're around and just kind of knowing, I, I guess that's kind of the most difficult part is, is knowing how to read the person that you're interacting with. Um, and so I suppose the, the best advice would just be just to, to be polite, be cool, be humble. Yeah. The best I think thing, the best you can. I think you know, sometimes, you know, there are some paragons of sportsmanship out there who win all the awards and they're, you know, they're awesome, amazing, fun players to play against. And that's awesome for the community. But I think what's even like to Rob's point, like, I don't think I think what's even more important to the community is that there are any bad sports. So like getting to that, like, you know, good, you know, above acceptable level of sportsmanship where you're polite, you're friendly, you don't like laugh at your opponent's bad luck you don't like, you know, make a huge deal over your good luck and their misfortune. It's just like, you want to be, you want to include them in, include yourself in their success and include them in your success and just kind of like make it, it's like the whole table, it's it's one game between two people, but you're both involved. So you have to keep that in mind at all times. You can't just make it about you. So I think you know, we talk about community a lot, but each game is a community of two people and you have to make sure the whole table wins, you, whoever wins the game. Well said, sir. I mean, at the end of the day, just to close this out, you know, it is a social contract that you created with whoever you're playing with. And it's, you know, you guys have agreed to certain conditions and make sure you're holding up those end of the bargain, right? That, that end of the bargain and make sure that you do your best to give them a good, clean game. And uh, I'm sure they'll do the same thing. And um, I, I'm also, you know, on all three of these things we mentioned, you know, people learn by example uh, and they can also learn by bad example. So you know, set, set the example that you want to mm-hmm. be replicated in the community and, you know, your seeds will, will grow. Yeah. Be the change you want to see in the world. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like we, we talk about this hobby, like it's some high and mighty thing, but I mean, like, for many of us, this is an escape from the harsh reality of being an adult human. And so wouldn't it be prudent to just, you know, make it the best possible experience for everybody? You know, we're all here to just play a game, have a good time. 
Yeah, it's about having fun. All right. Well, so we've kind of talked about how to be a positive influence on other people, how to you know treat other people well and influence them in, in positive ways. But there's also ways that you should be taking this positive influence from other people, right? This is obviously reciprocal. Um, and so this kind of happens in the same way, right? So like um, this section actually came from Jesse Cornwell because he was getting bummed out because he would think of an idea that he wanted to paint or, or execute on uh, an army on. And he would say, well, so-and-so did it better. Um, and I, that makes me bummed out because just like Rob said, there's always going to be somebody better that there's always going to be somebody better than you in every single arena of everything. No one is ever going to be the number one best thing at everything. And so I feel like if rather than looking at people and this is a this is like a conscious willpower sort of thing rather than looking at other people and thinking well I could never do that you should look at other people and say I want to do that and then learn from what they've done perhaps by asking questions or or reading or learning or or you know making an attempt to to do something better um before I pass it off, uh, Austin Kerrigan and I do this all the time and he actually does it with quite a few other people, but we'll like message each other like, Oh, do look at this thing I'm painting. And then there, and then, you know, the other person will say, Oh my God, that's so cool. Look at this thing I'm painting. And we just talk about stuff. And Austin is one of my biggest motivators because frankly, hands down, he is a better painter than me, but like I see the stuff he does and it makes me want to do better. Rather than saying, I can't do that, it makes me say, I am going to do that. So I think that's kind of important. Yeah, and part of it too is how you're motivated internally, right? But, you know, yourself. Some people, um, in your your case, you see what Austin's able to produce and you go, okay, well, how can I learn from this? How can I take what he's, he's doing and put it into my own hobby? Yeah. Instead of seeing someone's work and seeing what you can't do, see what, like, think about the steps that you could take to get closer to that, as opposed to like, well, I'm never going to paint like Austin, which is probably actually true, but I can get closer and I can keep trying to get closer just by asking him. And that's where the community comes in. Like, this community is full of super nice people who are actually very happy to help. If you ask someone how they did something, most people are very happy to explain it because they're proud of it. They liked doing it because they got good at it because they enjoy it and they're going to want to talk about it. So if you ask them for advice, they're more than likely to give it to you. And it's a, it's a very open, friendly and you know community at large, especially on Facebook and in your local community. So just see something, be inspired and like, think about ways you, you can get closer to that. If not, actually replicate it and i think i think the last thing that i want to say is um kind of on this really capping off the jesse cornwell thing is that you know if if you see somebody else doing the same army as you but they're doing it quote unquote better than you who cares right if it's going to make you happy and bring you joy then you should absolutely do that because like everybody has to deal with looking at Daniel Reed's pictures on Facebook, <laughs> and it just you just go yeah. well. I... <laughs> yeah, but so like yeah, if if you see his Phoenix and you go, I can never paint like that. There are people that can paint like that. 
you know, and you could too, if you put in the amount of effort and the amount of time he's, you know, that he's put into it. I'm, you know, there's a lot of people that can get to that point. But one more thing, um, you know, about those super high end painters, um, like people like the Austins and the Daniel Reeds is they spend a redonkulous amount of time painting. If you ask Austin how much time he spends on a particular model, it's, it'll blow your mind. And like, when you put it in that perspective, yeah, it makes perfect sense, right? And like some people just physically or mentally aren't going to put that kind of effort in. But like that's what brings Austin joy. That's what brings Daniel Reed joy. And to a, a lesser extent, that's what brings me joy. And so like don't ever feel like I can't do that. You know, you're not looking at the whole picture. You're looking at their end product and saying, wow, that's incredible, as opposed to looking at the the journey that they had to take in order to get there. To your point, though, Billy, it's not about like uh, that person did the army, the, the such and such army better. You know, think of it this way. Every army is unique. Even if you're paying the same range of models, put your own spin on it. And you know what? It doesn't have to just be in the hobby side, right? Or the... You can take it to the theme. You can do a background story. You can, the way you base it. I think we're all talented in different ways. And I think you sometimes just have to find and harness that talent that, that that's within. And it doesn't necessarily have to be on paint, right? You know, I, I get back to this discussion we have and had. It's theoretical, but, you know, the difference between best painted or best hobby and player's choice. I want to win player's choice, honestly. I don't know about you guys, but when I'm voting for player's choice, I'm voting on which army do I want to take home? <laughs> which army is the coolest, right? It, it may not be technically the best painted, but it's the coolest army there. And I know that's what I'm always trying. And in my mind, that's what I'm trying to hit. I'm trying to go for just a really cool army. Yeah, with Kings of War, like in the hobby realm, like multi-basing gives you that avenue that's beyond just the pure painting skill of the individual miniatures where you can really it it's not that basing is easier it's just like you can do very cool things you know it, i guess it is a little bit easier than getting super good at painting like at a miniature you can make really cool bases and put a little extra effort into those and really set things apart all right we're gonna move on to the gaming thing mm-hmm. all righty um, you can also take inspiration from others on the gaming side of things. And this can take a couple of different forms. Obviously, you can um, ask or see a list or a technique that you like and try to implement it. Um, but also, you can also learn from your losses. So, you know, obviously, um, you're learning kind of from the person who beat you, but also from from yourself, uh, I guess, as well. Um, and you can watch how other people play and learn from them as well. So, like, I watch a lot of YouTube battle reports, mostly just because I like listening to people talk about the hobby I'm interested in. But, you know, sometimes you get these little helpful nuggets of information that maybe you didn't have earlier. Maybe you pick up a tip or a trick or you see a way a person builds a list or does a thing. And that can kind of help you learn as well. And uh, I think this one is probably the most obvious thing, right? Because when we see other people gaming and we hear about other people gaming, it makes us want to game or hobby or do something. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think that's like learning from other people who are like, you know, quote unquote, better than you or actually just better than you is important. <laughs> uh, but like approaching the hobby in a mindful way is helpful. It's like 
if you just go through it, play your game, deploy, play the mission, blah, 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 you lose and you're like, ah, that sucked. But if you don't like think about what you're doing and why you're doing it and like reflecting on that, you don't, if you don't actually think about it, you're never actually going to improve. Like you actually have to go in with the mindset that you want to learn. You're not just going through the actions because then you won't improve. You're just going to keep doing the same things over and over again. People will take advantage of you in the same ways over and over again. You'll make the same mistakes and like the same things will end up happening. It's like, oh, it's turn six and this happened again. And you're like, I can't figure it out. You're like, well, figure out what you're doing, what led, that led up to that happening over and over again. And uh, I remember, was it a year or two ago on like the master's cast, like matchup cast, Chris, Chris Kapsner, maybe it was like a, one of the army reviews. He talked about like practicing deployment in his basement on the tables. And I was like, that's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. And then this past year, I was like, oh, I actually have to think about like how this army deploys consistently. And I'm like, so I was doing I, not actually on the tabletop in my basement, but like in my mind, coming up with deployment strategies for my army specifically. And it's like, you actually have to start deepening your interaction with the game or be willing to deepen your interaction with the game if you want to improve separate like universal tactics and universal strategy from like list construction. Cause I always caution people don't just emulate, don't just play the armies that other people played those, you know, army lists in general have a shelf life as the meta changes, mm -hmm. things, things, things shift. It's more important to really focus on things, as you said, like deployment, you know, target acquisition, you know, figuring out what you're going to shoot um, movement, Focus on the universal strategies that are gonna that are, that are gonna pay dividends going forward. The other thing I'd say is focus on those players that are always in the top. Right? Somebody may get a, a great list that catches a lot of people out, and you're like, "Oh wow, it's great!" and they win a tournament. But look for those players like Alex Chavez, who may not win a tournament all the time, but he's always in the top five. Right? Those are the type of players that you want to watch play. Because they have something to really teach you. Because they understand the game at a fundamental level that I only aspire to get to. Yeah, they master the principles of list building, of strategy, like so that they're transferable. They're not just, you know, they don't catch people out. And they're not just, for this this year's uh, Clash of Kings pack, it works. It's like, no, they, they have a design and tactical principled approach to the game. Well said. All right. And finally... You can obviously take inspiration from other people in the sportsmanship arena. Um, this is, I think, probably the hardest thing to do because this is like fundamentally changing your behavior. But what I would say is um, two things. Number one, uh, you should try to emulate the kind of experience that you want to have as a player. So like everybody approaches sportsmanship differently. Um, you know, we've, we've, wax lyrical on this topic a lot you know rob and i made that episode last year about um sportsmanship and different ways to score it and and that's all great but i just think that if you follow the simple rule that you give the your opponent the type of game that you want to play then you're probably gonna be fine um and secondly if someone behaved in a way that you enjoyed or someone did something that you liked um at a tournament or an opponent just left an impression on you 
do that thing, right? Because it's probably a good thing, right? Obviously, if at least one person remembered that, I think that's I think that's pretty cool, right? So like a a thing that I've done, you know, kind of sportsmanship, I guess, bribing my opponents with like little bags of coffee, right? And I made them match my army, and I had these little burlap bags with a stamp on it. Well, Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Richardson, super rad dude, he started buying like little gifts for his opponents. And like he gave out these really cool little coins at the forge. And like I still use them all the time. I just think that's a really cool thing. And like that's a very basic example. But if a, if a person does a thing you like, just do that thing, right? To other people. Yeah. And I, I would also chime in it's super important that if you emulate, be authentic. Don't oh like, yes. It don't put on a show, right? I mean, you're not there to to make believe, right? So, like, yeah. it needs to be part of your core because people can 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 see a phony, right? I mean, I think yeah. Be if, be, if be you your bring, authentic self. If you bring gifts, thinking that I'm gonna bribe sportsmanship points by doing this, <laughs> you'll people will see through that, and they you know it's it's not gonna come through. If you are actually excited about something that's like local to your community or like something that you really like about the game that you want to share with people. And you bring that to the table, people will see that. Like, if you are actually excited about it, it will come through. And it's like, people appreciate that. This is a hobby of sharing. Like, we're sharing, you know, our hobby and army and, you know, our time together. So, you know, sharing a little bit of what your passions are is kind of cool. And people will appreciate that. So one person that made an impression on me a long time ago that stuck with me is Chris Haynes from Canhammer. Uh, first time I met him uh, at Wapaka those many years ago. You know, he is a hardcore competitive gamer and he is clear with that intention when you meet him. And I appreciated the fact that there was no, he was honest. He was like, look, I'm going to tell you right now, I have a rough list. I'm here to win the tournament. And you know what? That really helped set uh, my expectations. When you get to the table, feel out your opponent, right? And you can usually get an understanding of what they're looking for from the game. No, I, I think that's an excellent point, and it kind of goes back to what I said earlier about you know just being able to sort of read your opponent. And I think honestly, just having a, a genuine discourse with another human being because we are spending time together. This is you know whether whether or not you think about it that way. When you're playing a miniatures game with somebody, you are you're you're spending two hours with that person, and so it's in our best interest to like make sure that both of us have an enjoyable time. Making sure that both of you have an expectation for the game and trying to meet that expectation, I think, will generally create a much better game experience, right? And so, like, going back to my example with the one-day tournament, if I'm playing the new guy, obviously I'm going to point out, like, oh, hey, dude, you should probably, like, check this flank thing out, right? But when I'm playing Chris Bowen on the last table, I'm not going to point that stuff out. You know what I mean? So you've got you've to figure out, figure out those people. Know your opponent. Know your opponent. Final thing we wanted to talk about was how this hobby can be a really positive force in, you know, mental health. Um, It's going to be a definite mental health benefit. And, you know, I'll get a little personal and I'll kind of talk about some stuff. So last year during um, the Blue City Brawl, I had a super terrible tragedy occur. Um, My wife and I lost a child and it was a really terrible summer. It was a really shitty summer. It was like the shittiest time of my entire life. And the guys in our club, the Blue City Brawlers, were just, I mean, 
corny and cheesy as it sounds, they saved me. Like they kept me grounded to reality. And I think this hobby or really any hobby, honestly, um, can kind of keep people in a much more positive mindset. And like fast forward to now, you know, we're we're pregnant, everything's looking good, we're going to have a baby soon, but I'm just I'm still very stressed out, right? Um she's kind of a high risk, you know, she's older. Um there's a lot of doctors visits, she's on bed rest, so I'm super stressed out. And um uh, you know, having this hobby around, having people to talk to, having um just games to play, just to unwind for 2 hours at a time is immeasurably helpful and beneficial to your mental health so what do you what do you guys think sorry i dropped the truth bomb there right there with you i mean obviously this is why i do this hobby right uh i find it like internally rewarding to sit at my table and chat with you guys on after dark and hey what's going on what's going on with you how are you doing how's the family um that's you know we're in if we didn't want that social experience, I wouldn't be playing, you know, we wouldn't be playing Kings of War. We'd be playing some online game with some 13 year old who's plucking me off with headshots, you know? So, <laughs> right. I mean, that's the truth, right? I mean, there's two things for me. It's the hobby. I have something tangible in my hand that I've created, which I, which I love. And there's a social interaction where we have a social contract. We go on to this magic circle or in this case, a four by six square rectangle and we play a game. And it's, it's like, it's totally corny, but it's, you know, it, we're playing with toy soldiers. I mean, yeah. How absolutely. awesome is that? Yeah. It's well, that's the thing. Like the community is great. The hobby is great. Like I have struggled with like anxiety and depression my entire life. And especially like that anxiety of like starting projects, you know, finishing projects, not being able to do something well. And it kind of ties into like all the beginner stuff that we were talking about, like just having a hobby and a community that's so supportive and allows you to express yourself and develop skill sets and like have that social aspect is huge. Like just being able to paint an army and like actually, you know, make progress and like have, you know, an avenue or an outlet to, you know, display it and share it with someone is huge. And like, you know, the positive feedback and like learning how to get better at it and like having that sense of accomplishment is has been immensely helpful and just just allowing me to like get out of the house and like do things and like play the game and like get over that anxiety of not being you know good enough or you know not being successful with certain things you're like whoa well you know losing a game isn't a big deal it's like nothing changed i played a game i lost everything's okay in the world and it's like this weird little you know okay I don't have to, ha- I don't have to be worried about that anymore. And it's just like introduced me to so many great people, like either through in the community in like the Northeast tournament scene or in the Hamilton gaming scene or even after dark, like around the, the whole world. It's just, it's the whole hobby is just supportive and positive, I think. And it's like creates that inside your, like your own life too. Well, I mean, and for me, like painting, uh, even though, you know, chatting and stuff is great with all the folks, but just painting itself is also rewarding. You you Mm -hmm. focus on this one project, you can be obsessed about it, and you get to the point where you are only thinking about that, right? You you forget all your cares for an hour or two. You're painting this little dude. You're like, well, what color belt should he have? Oh, I think he should have a a red belt. And, you know, it's just, 
it sounds crazy, but it works. It's a, yep. it's perfect escapism for me. It's, you know, some people just like to watch movies. I like to build toy soldiers. This whole COVID-19 uh, isolation thing, there's memes all over the internet about how like normies don't know what to do because like they're used to going out and doing stuff. But like, you know, I, I think it's immensely positive, immensely helpful for people to pick up hobbies. Like Michelle's picked up gardening and like, that's been a huge thing for her. And uh, I just think that finding something to do with your hands is just so cathartic. There's something mm-hmm. about it. Just sitting here painting a toy soldier, even if I only spend 20, 30 minutes and I paint a dude's belt, like that's, I don't know. I can escape my worldly problems for just <clears> a little <throat> while. It's pretty nice. And it gives I, you something that you can be like passionate about to talk about that isn't you know your job or the state of the world or whatever it's like it gives you something to explore outside of you know the daily stresses of life chiming on what you just said or tacking on what you just said obviously tournaments is a big player in that too right because mm-hmm. it gives me something to look forward to it gives me like that flagpole like hey we have a tournament coming up in april or october and i have a project that i'm working on for that and then once i get to the tournament I'm going to be seeing all these friends of mine that uh, I don't get to see very much. And I'm going to have a great time, you know, partying and drinking and playing lots of games. And again, it gets back to just it's a great escape from the mundane. One hundred percent. You know, just playing games locally is great, too, though, right? Whoever, you know, uh, let's just meet the shop and let's play a game. And obviously, right now we're we're not able to do that. But, you know, that's really cool to say, hey, anybody want to play on Saturday, say two o'clock? Great. How many points? Great. And you just show up and you just, that's a couple hours out of your life that, you know, you get to just escape. It's like going to the movies with your friends, kind of the sort of, sort of the same thing. Yeah. Like we have like a weekly, like Friday night, there's like six or seven of us like show up every week. It's just like, that's our like end of the week. It's like the week's over. We're gaming. That's it. And it's like, it's like super good for your like mental health. I think it's just like, it gives you that break. It like lets you, you know, decompress. If you need to vent, you can vent. If you just need to like roll dice, you can just roll dice and just gives you that space to do that at the end of the week. Absolutely. I, I, I'm a hundred percent in agreement. I mean, uh, this, this hobby has vastly improved my life, uh, in, in, in just about every Avenue. So it's a, it's a good time. It's a good time. And like, in this current situation we're all in, like, Things like Universal Battle, uh, Google Hangouts, like with After Dark, it's like you can still have some element of that and keep that community going and keep, you know, in touch with everyone, stay, you know, in the loop, you know, stay motivated, stay positive. You're not alone at any point. Like we're all, this community is large and, you know, Facebook is always active, but like, you know, there's a lot of other ways we can. You know, a lot of avenues to connect with other gamers and we're all out there and we're all in the same boat so we might as well do it together and for me i'm look i'm looking at this as an opportunity right so i don't know a single gamer out there that doesn't have models to paint so <laughs> i mean let's just get on the boat and let's just get on track and get some of the stuff painted you know and and i and i love seeing stuff like Dwayne richardson posted a bunch of uh kingdoms of men stuff that he posted you know with uh I think those are are those Perry Manchers that he posted. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah they and they're are. great. I love this. The love the color scheme. The red and the blue really pop, uh, and the silver armor is really bright. 
And the unit's very dynamic. It almost looks like a disorganized mob where they're just kind of rushing and swinging. And uh, he, he did a great job. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he comes up with next. Absolutely. I think there's going to be a lot of great uh, creative momentum that's built over this summer and spring. Yeah, I'm super pumped to see, you know, obviously Jeremy's brainchild was this countercharge spring challenge, this painting spring challenge. And already starting to see some of the seeds germinate into something great. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just, gonna, I can't wait to see what people come up with. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be fantastic. And obviously huge shout out to Manta games and Westphalia for really stepping up and giving us a little extra encouragement. I, you know, I, I don't need the encouragement, but some people do. Mm-hmm. And no one's going to turn down more miniatures. Exactly. <laughs> that, that they can put off painting until the next quarantine. Yeah. You got to keep the pile the same size. You can't let the pile shrink. That's right. Uh, I know I'm really excited for the contest because I'm working on I'm going to be working on some sharpshooters, which is kind of a unit that's like I've had like bases made and then like, you know, third dropped and the free dwarf list came out and I was like, oh, well, they're not in both lists. I kind of don't want to paint it right now. But now it's like, I don't know. There's this like big community drive. We're all working together and inspiring each other. And I'm going to I'm going to get them done. But I still got to but I still got to paint these broken pack masters because, you know, one other thing I wanted to mention is another thing that we didn't really touch on, but like local events like we're gonna do a siege battle right billy uh yeah yeah so like yeah we're gonna have a big siege battle like not too long ago we had a great narrative day where we had good versus evil and we culminated in this big giant battle where we had blind deployment those kind of like really different cool things can really be a capstone right can really i mean if you're looking for a (laughs) tune-up mentally those are those are some of the best things in the world Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's a lot less uh, stress to like, you know, win at all costs when you're. It's like a, a scenario, or you know, it's a bit more you know, that more narrative approach that you guys had. When you're not keeping score, it doesn't matter, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, absolutely, we're all winners for showing up. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm like, you know, this kind of came up uh, conversation. Um, I think the other day on After Dark, but like with tournaments not really being a thing for a while are people just going to start playing goofy stuff are we going to like put the put our competitive hats away and just try to try to goof off a little bit more i don't know how awesome would that be i'd be okay with it yeah like, awesome. what, what crazy cool stuff is going to come out of that right it's gonna be some really neat just like things that no one's ever thought of because the yeah the constraints will be removed it's exciting it's we got to get on times. that siege battle yeah. thing, though. So, and if you, you know, just to remind you guys, the uh, counter charge spring hobby challenge or spring painting challenge starts on the 25th and goes to the end of April. Go to the Facebook page. We have all the details linked in the show notes. Lots of great categories, lots of cool stuff. We got Australians on board, Canadians, Americans, folks from Europe. It's going to be a worldwide extravaganza. Exactly. So I, I'm just super pumped about it. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I can't wait to see what I'm not expecting to see, right? Like, in my mind, I have ideas like, oh, I'll see some cool armies, maybe a unit, but somebody's going to do something that I'm going to like, and it, and it might be Chris Walsh, because he, he he tends to do that, um, but like, I'm just going to see something that is, I'm like, what in the, what? And then you're just like, you're gobsmacked, you're just like, oh my god, that's an amazing idea, it's a brilliant idea, I'm going to steal it. I can't wait to steal your idea, so get thinking about them. And that's that's what this hobby is all about: stealing other people's yeah. ideas, mm-hmm. and doing them almost as good. 
you know, what's, what's the old, what's the old saying about imitation is the sincerest form of flattery or something like that. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, dude. I mean, you fake it, you know, you fake it till you make it right. Yeah. That'll do us for tonight. And remember, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.